You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jariel and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hope is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Okay, everybody. So welcome back. Uh, my name is Jariel. This is the Doula Road Trip Podcast. Happy World Doula Week to everybody listening. Um, I am highlighting some incredible doulas across our industry this week. And today I have special guest Neka Hall. We are going to dive into uh, bereavement and loss work. So I do want to say that just up front. So that way nobody is surprised or shocked. So that is the disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Okay. So with that being said, I'm going to let our special guest Neka Hall introduce her herself, tell you guys a little bit about her experience, how she found out about doula work and what doula work she is in right now. Um, So I'll let you go ahead and take it away. Thank you. Well, my name is Neka Hall. I'm the mother of four, three who are with me and one who rests in paradise. It's the one who is not with me that was the catalyst which introduced me to the doula community. Um, my daughter was stillborn at 39 weeks gestational age on August 20. She passed away in utero August 26, 2010, and was born on my 37th birthday, which was August 27, 2010. And one thing that birth had taught me, because I was already the mom of two at that point, is that children can be born very healthy. Children can be born very sick and be made well. And in this instance, a healthy child can transition due to medical issues, due due to the mother's body not being compatible or something happening. Um, I later found out that I had preeclampsia and it was missed. Um, um, I was on a beta blocker for PVCs, which are extra heartbeats during the pregnancy. Before the pregnancy, I was on that as well. And um, the beta blocker made my already low blood pressure seem, you know, go a little, stay low. Mm. And when um, I went to see the doctor, it would go up to what would be considered a normal blood pressure range, which was not my normal. I started spilling um, trace amount of protein at the beginning of the second trimester. And by the time I had my daughter, um, I was spilling three plus amounts of protein, but I couldn't, I noticed a change within her 
throughout the process. Um, you know, initially she started to get hiccups. Hiccups can be the sign of a healthy baby, but it can also be the sign of fetal distress. And when I complained to the doctor, you know, this is, this is off. I've never had this. Sometimes it seems like she's hiccuping all the time. Um, we, I would go to appointments and we'd have to wait for her to stop so that they could put the Doppler and check her heartbeat. And they just thought it, you know, wrote it off as nothing when in actuality, um, my placenta was stopping. You know, it was, it was not working, functioning properly. So she was not breathing um, the way that she, she wasn't getting oxygen or nutrients the way that she needed to. And she asphyxiated in utero. Um, towards the end, she had quite, you know, spasms. So um, when I found out the statistics, which have not changed much, you know, with Black babies, meaning Black babies suffer, um, you know, die two to three times more than Caucasian babies mm -hmm. or any other ethnicity, yep. to be honest. Um, and then coupled with the maternal mortality statistics, I was blindsided. Um, what I did was I reached out to a mentor, um, a, one of the founders of the Pale community, Cherokee Isle. Um, I had been given one of her books when from the hospital. And, and I said, well, I need to, you know, find people in this community. First and foremost, at that time, I could not find any more people that looked like me. And I had not ever heard of a doula. So when I connected with Cherokee, who founded a, um, a prominent bereavement organization, um, I said, oh, wow, what is a doula? And she, she told me, and I watched her as she built her organization and then I went off to do something else. I said, well, okay, well, let me look more into becoming a doula. And I, I became a postpartum doula. Then, you know, I became a birth doula and then went back to become a bereavement doula and an international bereavement specialist. Um, I ended up having my rainbow, who's now six. And that was a pregnancy that was quite interesting, but I'll leave it at that. That's, that's a different story, a story for a different day. Um, I, I, I just wanted to learn, you know, because I had to have a better understanding as to why things were happening the way that they were happening within melanated bodies. Um, I studied, you know, I studied um, herbalism with um, Brother Turtle of Indigenous Remedies. And um, I, I studied with just, you know, different places. And then finally, I took um, innate traditions, postpartum care training. Um, people in Mexico are cared for during the postpartum period. Okay. Um, and wanted to learn more. So, you know, eventually I will get to Layla B's program. I will get to Sister Valerie's program you know, to learn about how people in um, Indonesia and places um, take care of their, their postpartum bodies. Mm -hmm. But then the one thing that all of the ones, the non-European based mm -hmm. programs showed me mm -hmm. was that there was surround care on this. This has been like an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. um, I now sit on two commissions here in Massachusetts the Ellen Story Postpartum Depression Commission and the new um, racial inequities 
Commission, which is primarily made up of Black women. Wow. Um, I can't wait for us to take that picture <laughs> on the um, State House steps because we may never see anything like this again, and we definitely won't see it in legislation. Um, I, I you better ask me questions because I don't I, I can keep talking. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and actually talk about infant loss and bereavement work. So okay. right now, people are talking about it more often. So let's first take it from the perspective of someone who has lost a baby. A lot of times it's something that's very hush. And a lot of times people are unaware of what they say and what they do and how that can impact someone who is going through a loss. So let's talk a little bit about things that you say and things that you don't say to someone who has just experienced a loss. Well, don't ever say, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Don't ever say um, you can always have a try again. Um, No matter how many babies you have, you can never replace one that has been lost. Mm -hmm. Comments I've heard have been, well, you are, you have enough children. Why would you want any more? You're too old to think about having any more babies. Mm -hmm. God knew what he was doing wow you're being punished by god um i would say the only way to truly handle the loss aspect with a loved one or a client Mm -hmm. is open ears closed mouth okay if you listen and use your eyes you can see exactly what that family needs at that time But if you're constantly yapping and flapping your gums, you miss everything. Um, Case in point, someone suffers a loss. Um, The way that the hospital deals with it is they send them home. I was asked two hours after um, my daughter's stillbirth. So when are you leaving? And I was like, "What what are you talking about? What do you mean when am I leaving? I just had a vaginal delivery and I will be going to the postpartum unit. Right. You know, to, to recover. Right. Well, in these instances, in these cases, um, that's not what happens. I said, well, I don't know what other people do, but what I'm doing is I'm taking my 48 hours and I'm staying here. And what you're going to do is you're going to take my child to the morgue and bring her back to me when I ask for you to bring her back to me. And that is just the way I, I was able to speak because one thing people don't understand is that you only have moments with that child and you have to make every memory that you plan to make with that child in those moments. Mm-hmm. So slowing things down for the client or with the loved one, um, taking that clock off the wall. I always say take off you know, remove anything from the room that does not need to be there. The clock symbolizes something that you have at home. Um, I don't look at why I don't wear a watch anymore. I haven't worn a watch in since it happened since Anaya's stillbirth, because that clock on the wall was a constant reminder of how many minutes it would be, how much time it would be until the, the, you know, I gave birth to death. Um, I always say, 
if there is a bassinet in the room, remove the bassinet, remove the anything that is not needed to for that family, you know, in that moment, in those moments. Um, and that includes staff. I looked up and oh my goodness, I could not believe the number of people in the room. Mm. This was a, lear- a, a learning point for the hospital, for any staff who had not been, you know, who had not, yeah. Mm. So when I looked up, I saw faces I had never seen before. And I was like, oh my God, why are you here? And when she came out, I was the only one not crying. They were sobbing. There was no one there except for my aunt who was able to hold space for me and my needs Mm. because everyone else was sobbing. Oh my God, she's so beautiful. And I'm like, well, what in the world were they expecting? You know, it's an intimate time for the family and it needs to be treated as such. I'm noticing now more and more babies who have no heartbeat being born in at home in a birth pool with a beautiful one of the most beautiful types of birth experiences and I think that is that's humanizing you know um so when working with a client or a family or leading a group of people who have suffered losses you have to definitely take into consideration the surrounding who's there and who's, who's, you know, doing this. Yeah. So before we move on to really dive into um, bereavement, loss and death doula work, let's answer the question that people might be thinking, right? This is not the area that I'm necessarily going to be training in. I'm going to be training in labor or postpartum, right? So Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about you know, why you would want to have a bereavement training and a solid foundation underneath you, no matter what area of doula work you plan to enter? Well, birth and death go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And um, with my grandmother transitioning at home with us recently, I've, I was fortunate to see that the way that we come into the world is the, is often the way that we leave the world. Yeah. You know, one of the best things that I was able to do for my Nana was to be able to swaddle her before they took her out of our home, you know, and just in, in just the same way that we would our, our, our baby clients or our own babies. Yeah. Um, so, and, and birth, a woman, when a, when a person gives birth, that's the closest they'll ever be to death. That's when, when they talk about the veil, that's the veil between the living and the dead, mm-hmm. that space in between. When she goes into her zone or they go into their zone, mm-hmm. they're not here anymore when, when they're left alone to do so. Right. Um, and that's something that we have to, as, as caregivers and, and people who watch, regardless of the outcome, a baby's being born, a family is being born, a mother is being born. Yeah. And we have to take care and know how to mother in these instances, how to care in these instances, what to do, what not to say. Because I guarantee these some of these hospital settings do not have, they're not equipped for the human side of things. Mm. And that's what we're here for. 
Yeah. So talk about the equipping. Talk about your uh, pale advocate um, training that you have created. Wow. Okay. I took five classes before um, pale was created. Mm. Um, And pale came from the questions I still had and the emotions that I still had and the triggers that I still had after taking those five classes, Mm. Um, not being able to function after supporting a family through a loss for days and being a mom, you know, especially with little ones and not, you know, my, my oldest is 20 and my youngest is six, you know, so I have different levels of engagement here. I have to be fully, you know, fully formed in order to support these young people. Right. So if I am stuck in my mind and in my triggers, I can't do that. So I would say, geez, it's been six years already. Six years ago, I tried to sell it. I tried to give it away, actually, the information. No one wanted it. Um, And then one of my doula sisters said to me, you know what? Don't give that away. This is a class. Mold it, birth it, and put it out there into the universe and see what happens. And that's what I did. Um, And it's still growing. Every time I think I'm done, there's more. Yeah. You know, that's why I keep saying to my pale advocates, okay, you finish this portion, but in the graduates group, there's still more to come. Mm. You know, we're ever growing. I'm scheduling trainings with other trainers because I don't know everything. You know, yes, I said it on a recording. I do not know everything. (laughs) Okay. I know some things. I know a lot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm growing and evolving just as my students are. And life is continuously fluid and changing. Yeah. So, um, of course, curriculum does as well. Right. But um, with Pale, it touches on pretty much every aspect that you would face as a birth doula with a lost situation. Okay. We talk about, you know, abortion miscarriage, stillbirth, fatal diagnosis. What happens when a baby dies at home? You know, how do you support that family through that? I mean, think about it. The baby died at home and they still have to go back home. They have to live there. Yeah. Um, what happens if there are other children involved? Mm-hmm. You know, grandparents grieve also. You know, yeah. birth workers grieve. You know, there's a lot. We invest ourselves into our clients Mm -hmm. for the duration, if we're lucky enough to get them early, for the duration of their pregnancies. And if not, we're there with them, not expecting this outcome. But it's better to be fully aware and fully equipped than for it to be, you know, a question, you know, and you have to put that dot at the end and figure things up on out on the fly. Yeah. That's why I tell people all the time, you don't have to train with me, although I wish you would. My class is raw. Mm-hmm. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go through every emotion. And that's, I want you to go through the emotions. Because if you go through them now, you'll be able to face anything with your clients. We even talk about when the mother dies and how to be proactive so we don't have to be reactive, Mm. meaning warning signs and preventative measures so we won't have to get to the grieving portion. 
Yeah. There are so many warning signs. You know, there's so many pre- preventative. I mean, kick counting. I, whenever I encounter a doula who does not have a kick counting app on their phone to show a client how it works, that really ticks me off. Mm. Kick counting does save lives. I tell all of my students, you need to follow Dr. Um, Jason Collins on Twitter. He talks about cord accidents. Mm. You know, it could be a, a, a one knot, it could, baby could get tangled, but all of that can be prevented by being proactive and having, when they do that, um, that long ultrasound, mm-hmm. ask them, did you measure, is there any way for you, and the answer is yes, any way for you to measure my umbilical cord? Follow Mama Jenny Joseph's models, you know, to save our mothers, find out early if their blood pressure is inching up by having them, teaching them how to care for their own blood pressure. Mm buying steri strips you know those strips those um uh urinalysis strips yeah and teaching them okay if this you know goes up healthy kidneys do not spill protein but when you're spilling protein yes that could mean you just didn't wipe the proper way mm-hmm. but it also could mean that you have proteinuria which is a sign of preeclampsia let's start being more proactive so that the information you learn in my training will not be needed. Mm. And then just realize that sometimes these things do happen. But the key is for you as a support person to be fully engaged and fully informed so that you can, when things do happen, it doesn't blindside you and you're not thrown off kilter. Yeah. Wow. You dropped a lot, lot, lot of amazing information. I wanted to um, first clarify, can you tell everybody what PALE stands for? Pregnancy and infant loss. Okay. And then tell everybody about your nonprofit um, organization, QUILT, and what that stands for. QUILT stands for Quietly United and Lost Together. It was named by the members of the organization. I put it out there. Quilt was never supposed to be an organization, but women often do not get along. It was supposed to be a one-time event to raise awareness. And then that was going to be my exit from the community. Okay. Well, because I was going to go off and do other things. Well, people just didn't want to work with other people and started bickering and arguing. And I just filed papers so that um quilt would still be there what we did was um we were supposed to make quilts right with babies names on them and every year I'm sending out the squares for each individual state so that each year one quilt is made in that state and it's housed within an organization we provide support to families from conception who suffer the loss of an infant from conception through age two um we remember when other people forget we say their names, Um, we honor mothers who identify as mothers and fathers who identify as fathers. We we support each other, we lift each other up when oftentimes other people are running away. We're not judgmental. And from Quilt, the pale advocates side of things because we saw there was a need. Yes, there are classes out there, but I notice a lot of the classes, when they talk about us, we're like 
aliens. I'm looking, I mean, mm. I took a class once and it seemed like the, um, and it has changed, thank goodness. But that's because I called them out on it. Um, okay. When describing Black people, we were just barbarians when it came to infant loss. And I just couldn't, couldn't deal with that. I love what I do. Someone has to do it. I'm happy that I'm training others and I can refer to others now. Mm-hmm. But before I get out of bed every morning, I'm texting people who suffered losses and asking them, are you okay? Yeah. Is there anything that you need today? What is the one thing that I can do to make your day a little easier? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on phone calls and in person going to mortuaries with families. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not easy. Anaya is with me and this is her work. Um, and of course I get teary eyed. <laughs> um, this is her legacy. I would have quit years ago if it was not her legacy. Mm. She's done far more as an 11 year old angel, ba- almost 11 year old angel baby. than she would have been as a tween right now. She yeah. would have, I mean, I think about the lives and how do I survive it? I go out and I rape, I cleanse, I do spiritual baths, um, prayer, plant, do memory projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting my, finally getting my memory garden the way that I want it to be mm-hmm. with my flowers and my stones that glow in the dark with names written on them. And I recognize that that grief will always be there. Mm. And that no one has the right to tell us how long and how hard or what stage of grief we're in at any given time. Mm -hmm. But knowing that my child lives in me and showing others that their children lives in them and the work that they do, whatever, however they show up. Mm. Yeah, I do have my moments, you know, where I, I say, why does this keep happening? But then that pushes me. To do more and to start new in you know new entities, new new businesses, new visions, and you know as one fails swoop, and I have a great team of people around me, including my children, because advocates do raise advocates who help in this process of manifesting my vision, Mm. my full vision, which is is exciting. Yeah. Um. You know, and also being there not only for while they're at their lowest, but when their rainbows are born, um, supporting them, you know, from loss through life Mm. and guiding them through those additional hard moments of the rainbow pregnancy, the anxiety and all of that. And, And I find joy in that. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about business, right? So a lot of people don't know that it's available to them to start a nonprofit organization. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people think that if you start a nonprofit organization and that you um, are at like a disadvantage, right? So can you talk a little bit about like what you found out about like starting a nonprofit and what it really means to you and to the community around you? Because I feel like people really don't understand what that means. Well, in order to support people, you have to say, you have to have money. In order to have money, you have to have a marketable skill. I've found, and and to be perfectly honest, there have been times when I have had to 
my my ad my pale advocates course all of my advocates courses mm-hmm. provide support to quilt now my next nonprofit that's a different story <laughs> that's a different okay. story that's going to be both nonprofit and for profit they're going to be one of each because I'm que- creating um a 501c3 and an LLC oh awesome okay yeah, so people for, can do both Yes, people okay. can do both. Okay. Be prayerful and careful when you look at your options and who you have in your corner and who you invite to your team. So you have to be very prayerful and careful yeah. with who you share your visions. Absolutely. Um, but business is business. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not very business minded. Sometimes my 15-year-old daughter, who is very business-minded, mm. has to reel me in because I would give away everything if I <laughs> <laughs> providing support and, yeah. and, and saving or whatever. It's a balance. Yeah. It is a balance. But the balance is I, you know, to even it off, I do the, you know, the pale training and I'm working it up to its regular cost. Okay. Because it's a lot, I'm giving away a lot that's that of information. So I have to get paid for that. And it's not just for me, it's in order to take quilt into another level to be able to support those folks. I send out cards every week and I had, and, and it's a lot of cards that I'm sitting and writing with love, you know, and, and whatever. Yeah. And that costs. Right. So um, there are little costs, you know, to maintain, you know, the status and everything. You still have to have an income. And okay. plus, people come to you with, depend. now I'm speaking strictly bereavement, mm-hmm. and it costs to bury and cremate a baby. Yeah. So you have to be able to pull together those expenses from time to time when the family just can't do it. Right. You know, so I have to dig deep and be able to say, okay, this is what's happening. And this is the backside of things that people don't see. They see the posts on the quilt page. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it costs to run a website. Right. Um, It costs to be on Teachable. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just, you know, basic things that people don't realize yeah um pay yourself first Mm -hmm. is what I tell people meaning if you give everything away your lights will get shut off right you won't have a roof on your head over your head there wouldn't be no gas in your car and you won't have technology the technology you need I ended up um having my my laptop cocked out on me last year and because I was nickel and diming everything, I did not have a working computer. And now, you know, this is like my lifeline. Yeah. Especially yeah. for everyone this past year. Right. As I say, especially during COVID. Have, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So luckily I was able to get a grant and buy the laptop I'm using now. Oh, okay. You know, and it took, it was hard. It was so hard to use that money for that. But then my wonderful son, who's my oldest, mm-hmm. said, mom, come on now. If you don't have something that you can use, you won't, won't be able to um, continue to communicate with others. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love what you brought up about balance, about having your businesses serve each other, right? And they have different missions, but they each serve each other and work together and how you're leaning on your community, right? Like how wise are your kids? Like they're absolutely fantastic to be able to guide you. Yes, they are. Even the baby. Money. <laughs> yeah. My, let me tell you, um, my oldest is an AMT. Mm. Um, he worked full time during the pandemic, wow. six days a week, testing people, transporting one day a week, um, training new EMTs. And he's only 20. He's been an EMT for two years. Okay. Um, full time college student, dean's list, all of that during a pandemic. Um, he has his associate's degree and he's now um, pre-med or what is it, bio, biology at UMass Boston. Wow. So, you know, like I said, advocates raise advocates and he definitely he, did. Oh my. Yeah. In game, <laughs> a doctor of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then my um, 15 year old and her friends, they do my research for me. Ooh. Okay. My, my new um, venture They're they're called um, Mother of Supreme Leaders. Okay. Um, they, they get their, um, community service hours by doing, you know, whatever I need them to do. Mm. Um, and their input as teenagers is invaluable. Mm. I mean, from the perspective, looking at the fact that they're looking at the reality, teenagers get pregnant too. Right. They need supports, you know, and asking the questions that we old people wouldn't even think wouldn't about. Even think, right. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate them and they're looking at being, uh, what is it? Um, they're going into business after college. Oh, okay. Um, they're all honors students. Um, wow. Yeah. They're great kids and I appreciate having the support. And then my little rainbow who's six, <laughs> she's a published author. Oh, okay. Um, oops. Oh goodness. Let me, I'm sorry. Everybody's calling. Um, you're a popular person. I understand. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not talking to anybody after this. Um, and for my youngest, she, her book is, what is it? Night, um, butterfly kisses and nighttime wishes or something like that. It's on Amazon. Okay. We'll have um, and it's about being a rainbow, a rainbow oh. baby and knowing about the loss that came before you, because okay. I wasn't even aware that she knew and when she was about two, um, my daughter's ashes are with my mother in Florida mm. because my when my grandmother used to try to dust, I, I'd come home and, and her, her blessing box would be on the floor. Oh. I didn't want her ashes to be spilled out. So I took them to my mom's and we were there once. And she just had such a connection with that blessing box mm. and, and just different little things that I was like, okay, I guess it is time to talk about it. Oh, and I, I, over the years, I've asked her questions and she said, of course I knew her. She picked me for you. Oh yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. So these little people know more than we think we give them credit for. Absolutely. Wow. You know. 
So, so tell us about um, the Pale Advocate course, right? So we didn't say that you have sessions coming up and I want people to know. Yes. So you dropped something in the Facebook group that completely surprised me. I saw it today. So yes, World Doula Week. <laughs> it's World Doula Week, y'all. So yeah. because it's World Doula Week, I am offering my class, all of my classes, $50 a piece. Um it's a steal. And when I say all, it's I have highway my- robbery, like Gideon before it's too late. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> considering I'm working my way up to my full price. Right. I know you are. Yeah. And I just said, you know, especially since I, I, I don't know if you've heard, but um, we've lost a grand midwife in the community passed away yesterday morning. Um, and I said, well, you know what? I have to do something for our doulas. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And hopefully this price will be, you know, will allow more people to be able to take the class yeah. and spend their money elsewhere. Um, we need more midwives. We need more melanated mid- midwives. Mm-hmm. We need more melanated home birth midwives. Yeah. We need more doulas. Mm-hmm. In our communities, we need more melanated community health workers. Mm-hmm. We need more melanated woke OBs. The woke part, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. You go in with a mission and then you come out um, whitewashed for whatever reason. You know, well, the books say the books are not always, you know, don't tell me what's in a book when I'm standing in front of you telling you something else. Right. Right. So, um, we need more advocates, mm-hmm. you know, maternal fetal health advocates. Yeah. We need more people to represent us who have our, who do the hard work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So $50 for the training. People can come in person. You have a two right, We day. have the Zoom, the two day virtual intensive. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I, I tell everyone, I love the, I, I, at first I didn't like it. Yeah. But let me tell you why I love it. I love it because I get to connect. Yes. And you get to ask me questions and and we get to watch movies together and talk about the movies. And they're not traditional movies that you would just watch anywhere. Yeah. Um, there it's it's a two days of crying and mm-hmm. and purging, and then you get to build yourself back up and go into your community. Yeah. People ask me all the time, well. How am I going to get clients? I don't know what it is about this work. Once you take the training or say you're taking the training or you're enrolled, they just, people just find you, mm. you know, I don't know how, but it just happens. Okay. Um, you'll be turning people away. Wow. Not just because, you know, they, they've suffered losses, but because they're pregnant with their rainbows and they want someone who understands what they've lost and what could happen right. there to fully support them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, so that's coming up April, I think it's 24th and 25th. Yeah. I'm going to come to the live class. I want to come to the live class. Well, week. come to the live class. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weekend you get to connect and the cohorts are so close afterwards mm-hmm. because we talk about everything during those sessions. And then there's the after party. Okay. Where people who want to stay after class and just chew the breeze or, or shoot the breeze or whatever the saying is, we talk <laughs> talk about life. Yeah. You know. Then I have my um, 
I haven't, I mean, I have students that I'm training to teach okay. this. So I have my pale trainer course for my graduates. If they're interested in doing this work a little bit more deeply okay. and training others, because I recognize that I'm moving on to other things. I'm still yeah. doing this, but I'm adding on, yeah. you know, Mother is Supreme Postpartum Care Centers are coming to a city near you. <laughs> Seriously. I yeah, mean, no, I'm serious too. Talk about Mother is Supreme and talk about what the vision is for that. So people know and they can get, get ready for it. Well, the vision is a fully surround care, postpartum care mo- model Okay. in the United States. We have drop-in places for our pa- families. Right. But there are no drop-in places that it's like you come and you stay for two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, the first two weeks postpartum, if you've had a, a regular uneventful vaginal delivery, delivery. Yeah. if you've had a traumatic birth of any kind, you come and you stay with us for four weeks. And we, we fully rejuvenize you, you know, we allow you to heal. We, we allow your body to heal. And yes, I'm saying heal because it takes work to get these little people here. Yeah. Well, your body is stretched and pulled and your your uterus grows from the size of an orange all the way up to a watermelon. Mm -hmm. And then it it doesn't just snap back. We're not rubber bands, (laughs) you know, In, in other countries, the community goes in and cares for their birthing people. Mm -hmm. They care for the new family as a family. I'm not saying move your mother-in-law in, especially if y'all don't get along. I'm not saying move anyone in, but mm-hmm. allow professionals to come in and help you. Let's work with pelvic floor therapy therapists. Let's work with um, you know, postpartum specialists who can mold and shape and give you those massages and herbal baths. Yeah. Let's work with newborn care sp- specialists to teach you how to fully engage with your baby, Mm. you know, let's come, that's the inpatient model where someone comes and stays. And then of course it's the outpatient where you can drop in, you know, you need a nap, no one's at home or your family's driving you crazy, drop in, take a nap, put the baby in the outpatient, you know, nursery where we'll, we'll be fully staffed and and the baby will be cared for you will be cared for and who knows you might decide you want to stay yeah just to rejuvenate we cannot continue to have our families having a baby on monday going home on wednesday to cook clean you know and do whatever else yeah we need to fully surround i remember my grandmother used to tell me when it was birthing time Mm -hmm. she lived on a farm Mm -hmm. growing up and she was number five of 13. Wow. When it was birthing time, everybody came with a, a plate. The women in the community wow. would be cooking. That mother, new mother, never had to worry about where her meal was coming from, who was doing her laundry, who was taking care of the other children, et cetera, because somebody in the community was always there for them. Mm-hmm. We need to get back into that model to save ourselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Wow. Because right now people bring the baby home. Everybody grabs the baby and runs. And then there's a list for Cinderella to do. And that's why Cinderella is suffering from those postpartum mood disorders. Yeah. Um, Her body is not healing or better yet when she's 60, she, she sneezes and pees a little 
let's take care of ourselves so that you're not trickling, tinkling or twinkling or whatever when you sneeze or cough or laugh in your city. Because, you know, I, that's one thing that I've worked on with every, for my entire life. So I don't have to worry about when I'm 60 sneezing and, and oops, let's put poise out of business (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I love it. Sign me up. Bring one to Ohio. I will add- definitely. I'm working on it. I'm I'm working yeah. on um, the first phase because we are still in COVID times. For sure, for sure. Is to train folks and to um, you know to get the virtual aspect going. Love it. And making these connections. Second phase is for the outpatient services. Okay. The dissemination of those. And third phase is to get my my buildings mm. and and get that whole surround care model in buildings so that people can drop in for different services. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap up a little bit because I don't want to okay. take up too much of your time and you've dropped you. so much knowledge. Um, is there any like last thoughts or anything like that, that you want to leave everybody with pieces of advice, anything at all? I know you have to make a living. I understand that. Um, but everything is not about money. If you build it, the money will come. I've learned in this work by not being money driven, you get more by not being money driven than you could ever have by strictly doing the work because of the paycheck. Yeah. Um, and I know it's important because you got to live. Right. But if you build it right and on the right foundation, it'll come anyway. Yeah. I'm living proof of that. 